Awesome church, why don't you take a seat? Um, this morning I have the privilege of introducing a great friend. You know, do you have have you got those memories from your teenage years that are just burnt on your brain? I have one. And you'll see why in a minute. Have you ever been gaffer taped to a table? I have. And Brendan has. It's sort of like this experience you go through together and it sort of makes you friends forever. And, um, you know, really, really privileged to know this guy. Uh, Nathan and I um, love doing life alongside he and Kirsty, and he has a love for God and love for people. And um, I think that comes through in his preaching well, not just in his preaching, but how he loves and cares for every single one of us. And we're, we're in week three of his series. You know, such an incredible thing to take on a five-week series. So why don't we welcome him and encourage him this morning. Good morning. I thought you were going to show the picture. Of us gaffer tape to the wall. It's spectacular. You have to look it up on Facebook. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Awesome. <laughs> it's going to be a good morning. Is anyone excited that they're here in church this morning? Is anybody just sort of like nonchalant about the whole thing? Anyone get dragged along by a spouse or friend or something? Well, I'm hoping that if that's true, you know, we can turn things around and you walk around, walk out saying, you know what, I'm, I'm glad that I came. Um, let's pray before we start. Father, I just thank you that your presence is here with us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are speaking to every one of us and I pray that you would speak just the message that we need to hear this morning, uh, whatever's going on in our lives, whatever's going on in our, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. We pray that you would bring restoration and healing to us, God. We thank you, Father, that as your kingdom comes and your will is done in our lives, that means that good things come and bad things need to leave. And so we pray that you would do that work in us here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sure that you have felt like me before. And I think it's the nature of being one person at, in one place at one time. Um, but it's easy to feel like we are alone. Is anyone with me? It's easy to feel like you feel different. It's easy to feel like you stand out. And I think when you believe something different, particularly to everybody else around you, you can feel like a stranger in a foreign land. It's easy to feel like the whole world is against you. Maybe it's easy to feel like the whole world is against us as, as Christians. It's easy to feel like, you know, we're being oppressed or we're being taken over or we're being silenced and, and shut down. But I, I, I want to just take a moment to reconfigure the way that we are thinking about that this morning. And I would like for you to, for a second, just imagine that you've never heard the name Jesus. You've never heard about Christianity. And you lived in some, you grew up in some secluded part of the world. And then you come of age and you decide, I'm going to go abroad. I'm going to do some traveling. You find yourself on the top of a mountain 
and there's a monastery that you're visiting. You're staying in this monastery and you do a bit of exploring around this monastery and you find a library. And in the library, you just kind of sneak in. It's a bit like Harry Potter with the lamp, the restricted section, and no one else is there and there's floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. And so you walk up to one of these old bookshelves, you pull an old tome off the shelf, you brush off the dust and you open it to the marked page. (coughs) And in that ancient book, you discover writings from thousands of years ago written by somebody who lived in the Roman Empire. And it's it's a compilation of biographies about a series of Roman emperors. And they're talking about all kinds of things that happened throughout the Roman Empire over this time. And the page that you open to, it talks about the struggles of Caesar, the emperor, and the Senate at the time of the Roman Empire. And on that page, you read about a group of chariot drivers that have been shut down for cheating and robbing people. This is the sorts of things that are happening at the time. And then you go on to read uh, about a small group that he calls Christians. It's a misspelling. And he says that they're a small group of people, a new class of men given to a new and mischievous superstition. So there's this little breakout of strange people called Christians. uh, We think he misheard the name. Then he goes on to talk about some pantomime actors who were banished from the city for doing bad things. And you think, hmm, interesting. 2,000-year-old text. It's good to know the actors were causing trouble back then as well as they are now. But these... So, so, and th- th- you find one of the monks in the monastery has marked the page to reference another scroll. And so you follow the lead and you find a manuscript. This manuscript is from a few years later. And this one describes an epic fire. There's a fire that is a terrorist attack which has happened in the capital city of the empire in Rome. And the fire has ripped through the city and destroyed many important buildings and killed many people. And you read that it wasn't an accident. It's this little group of people, this hated group, the Christians, who started the fire is what the document says. You see, some people were accusing the emperor, saying he started the fire himself. There were rumors. But the emperor said, no, no, guys, it's these Christians. And so that's the palace's official story. This small class of people, it says this, a small class of people called Christians by the populace, hated for their abominations, has spread from Judea, where it started, to Rome. And apparently it was a Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who executed the founder of their little sect. So they're clearly coming to take revenge on Rome. And so armed with that story, the Emperor Nero begins to arrest and torture masses of Christians. He wants to shut down this new kingdom once and for all. You find another reference in the book, you follow it, follow the lead, you find a letter. This time it's written by a Roman governor, years later, to the new emperor, Emperor Trajan. This Roman governor wants to know from the emperor, what am I supposed to do with these Christians? Because they keep on growing. It doesn't matter what we do to them, they keep on spreading. 
And you see, the governor is torn, and he's asking the emperor for advice. He says, on the one hand, these Christian meetings seem to be growing rapidly, and he's worried that with all these new followers, they will start a rebellion and challenge the empire. On the other hand, he says, his investigations have revealed nothing on the Christian's part but harmless practices and depraved, excessive superstition. So the governor starts conducting trials of suspected Christians, and the investigation is very simple. Anybody who's suspected of being a Christian, they pull them in for the interrogation. They ask them three times, Do you deny, will you deny being a Christian? And if they refuse three times in a row, they're executed. It's simple. And so you keep reading. And you discover that through these books for hundreds of years, the persecution, the punishment, the torture, it gets worse and worse. And yet this idea, this superstition that they're talking about, it cannot be stamped out. It just continues to grow. The uprising that the Romans fear never arrives. The Christians just endure. And all the while, their faith seems to grow. And then in 313 AD, something remarkable happens. The emperor of Rome himself, Constantine, becomes a follower of Christ. He becomes a Christian. He lifts the ban on Christianity and it spreads even further throughout the empire and abroad. This kingdom of heaven and the empire of Rome coexist for over a hundred years until after 500 years of being the world's greatest superpower, the invincible Roman Empire collapses and falls. And yet, the Christians remain. These are real documents that we have access to, written by Roman historians. Is anybody a history fan? Awesome. Anybody just thought, that was a good way of putting history? Yeah, thank you, thank you. I know. These are real documents because this really happened. Now, I want to play you a video now to show you on a map the spread of Christianity throughout many years. So if you can just play that video for me, Barry, the first one. Here's what happens. For thousands of years, kingdoms on earth come and kingdoms on earth go. The kingdom of heaven remains. It grows. It travels across every ethnicity. It travels across all borders. It travels across every class of people. Regardless of political system, the kingdom of heaven grows. Regardless of gender, the kingdom of heaven grows. Regardless of age, the kingdom of heaven grows. 2,000 years ago, 12 people became disciples of one revolutionary rabbi. There are now 2.2, I don't want to give away the ending. <laughs> you can see it's spreading significantly. Shrink here. There was some historical event that meant that they had to withdraw, withdraw from China. Here comes Russia, South America. North America, 
colonization of Australia, New Zealand, Africa, back to China. It's difficult for us to know how many Christians are in China at the moment. The best estimates say around about 100 million Christians, and it is rapidly growing, but we can't know because you're not allowed to do it in public unless you're under a state-sanctioned church, but uh, many believers are turning to house churches. And so there are now 2.2 billion people on the planet who say that they are followers of Jesus. In the last census in Australia, more than half, which, is, which means every, every second person you meet, answered when asked, what is your religion? They said, some form of Christianity. And so here we are, half a planet away from where it all started, thousands of years later, and we are gathered together in the name of the one who brought his kingdom to earth. But it's not just that. It's not just a, oh, there's a lovely kingdom out there. There are people alongside you. Maybe it's you yourself. And you can testify to the fact that he didn't just change the world, but he came into my heart, and from the inside out, he has changed my life. Okay, it's a long-winded history lesson. How long have we been going? What's the point of that? Well, I started by saying it's easy to feel like what we believe is so alien to others. It's easy to feel like the world is against us. It's easy to feel like we're being oppressed or taken over. We're being silenced and shut down. And, and sometimes those things are true. But it's important to remember, this is not about us. It's easy to see the world that way because I'm one person in one point in time, but it's not actually about us. If we are persecuted for our faith, then we're in good company. We're in very good company. And it seems to me that in spite of the persecution, in spite of some difficulties in cultural shifts amongst time, this kingdom of heaven is not shrinking. It's doing exactly what Jesus said it would, which is that it would arrive here on earth. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. And so my hope is that this morning this message would encourage you, that you and I would uh, see that we can get to be part of something bigger, part of God's great plan for planet Earth, that we don't have to be bystanders, that we can, and, and, and we are called to bring the kingdom into our world. So here's what we're going to do. I've got, a, I've got another good video to show you, uh, and Jesus told some stories about this, so we're going to look at those together. Uh, we're going to hear a testimony from somebody who's been bringing the kingdom in their world, and, uh, and then we're going to pray for some people who need healing, who, who need deliverance, uh, and who need the kingdom to come in their world. And so, is anyone excited? I'm excited. It's going to be good. Okay, so I want to show you this video to begin with. This video ties together nicely where we've been coming from in the beginning of this series. The first week we discovered the kingdom of heaven and the roaring lion, that the kingdom of heaven is near, that it's not just about us going to heaven when we die, but actually God's plan is to reunite heaven and earth and the heaven would come here to earth. Last week we discovered the kingdom of heaven and the keeper of keys, who has entrance and access to the kingdom of heaven. It is all believers and, and status works differently in the kingdom. Uh, the, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And so this week we're coming into this third week, uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven and the baker of bread, and that's going to become clear later. But this video is just going to tie things together nicely. So let's have a look at uh, the gospel and the kingdom. 
there's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile, but a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now, Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls, and far out on the hills we see a messenger, and he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news. And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus's teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, a powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside down kingdom. Now, Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people, forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right. But for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. 
This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love. It's good news, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and say, there's some good news. news. Turn to the person on the other side and say it with a bit more conviction. There's some good news. The good news is there's a new king. And when this new king comes to reign on the throne of your heart, he brings healing, he brings restoration, he restores what is broken, he, he brings light to the darkness. And it's not just for us, but he calls us to bring good news to the world. And I think this idea of sharing uh, good news can be pretty uh, daunting, right? So, uh, so some, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm going to be standing in the kitchen and someone else is going to come in and I'm going to say something about there's something to do with a king. I think you need to know that there is a new king. There's something to do with the throne. And it's like that's can be difficult. I mean, and don't feel bad about this being a difficult concept to understand. Jesus spent three years teaching about the kingdom. I mean, it's not like it's just an easy, simple thing that you can portray. And so I want to, I want to address this idea of how, how we can share the good news and, and, and how we should think about this. Um, because Jesus addressed this in, in a few parables. And the first one is in Matthew th- chapter 13, verse 31. He says, it says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. Has anybody got mustard before, the seeded version, not the blended version? So you've seen a mustard seed before. You know how big it is? Is it big or small? Small. And it is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. So here he's giving us a tree. The tree is like an image of external growth. So it's like the expansion of the kingdom that we talked about earlier in Rome and beyond. There is a power that is causing the kingdom to grow. It is so infectious that despite time, despite difficulties, this kingdom grows. Um, And as the kingdom grows, it says birds come, make nests in its branches. So if you are in the kingdom, people should find rest and relief in your company. They should feel at home. They should be comfortable with you. They should feel sheltered by you and not attacked by you. That's important when we're sharing the good news. You want people to feel like they've come home, not like they're being driven out. And so I want to encourage you, like a practical way of applying that, it would be open your home. Invite your neighbors over for a meal. Some of you are thinking, you haven't met my neighbors. <laughs> and I'm saying, you haven't read the Bible. What? <laughs> Again, oh, naughty. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, he goes on. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So this message is called the kingdom of heaven and the baker of bread. God is the baker. We are the dough. The kingdom, God's power, his reign is the yeast. And so it's important for us to understand the kingdom of heaven grows. It grows. It grows out there like the tree and it grows in here like the yeast. So he's gone, he's used an analogy about the smallest seed and now he's gone even smaller to yeast, which is a single cell microorganism. And he's saying, look, look how small this thing is, yeast is, but it is alive. It is tiny, it is alive, and a small amount of yeast in the dough can cause, it influences the whole batch of dough. So a tiny amount influences a large amount. And so we find insight here, I think, in, in how we are to bring the good news to people. The first thing I want to point out is that yeast doesn't affect the dough if it's locked away in the cupboard. If you're baking bread and you leave the yeast out of the recipe, you leave it in the cupboard, you're going to get unleavened bread. And people are going to say, oh, you're celebrating Passover, for those who appreciate religious jokes. Uh, <coughs> religious history is quite... Anyway, <laughs> yeast doesn't rise the dough when you, are, when you leave it in the cupboard. And so... If the kingdom of heaven is not visible and active in your life, then it won't be in others' lives. You need to get it out of the cupboard, bring it out to play, talk to people, pray for people, share stories, and have it work in your life. The second thing I want to point out is that yeast does nothing when you just throw it at the dough. It needs to be mixed in. If you have dough that you've mixed together and then you just chuck yeast on it, and pop it in, it's not going to do its job. You need to mix it in. And so I would suggest that if the kingdom of heaven is shouted at people, it's like throwing yeast at mixed dough. We need to mix it in. We need to build relationships like Jesus did with his disciples. We need to learn to apply the kingdom to the core needs of the people that we're sharing it with. You need to get the yeast to the heart of the dough. So, so that means that if they're intellectual, well, engage their intellect. If they need healing, bring the healing. If they need community, welcome them into your life. Find out what it is that gets them to tick, and then, and then the kingdom applies to so many different things. Bring the kingdom to where they need it. To mix in the yeast, bring, bring the kingdom that they need. You might say, well... You know, what if, what if they don't understand everything straight away? What, what if all I'm doing is just giving them a little bit of something? They're not going to, like, do I have to, do I have to, they have to read the whole Bible first? No, come on. Yeast grows. Yeast is small. It's something that you just put a little bit in and it grows. The third thing is yeast works while the dough is resting. Right? Take it easy. Chill out. Lots of people freak out about this whole thing. Just the kingdom grows. It spreads. 
don't freak out because everything isn't happening all at once because you haven't got someone from one to a hundred in one go. The small things that you do and that you say can be like yeast in the dough of somebody's heart. A little conversation, a little example, a little prayer, an act of compassion. These little things can grow and have a great impact. And so I'm going to ask Haley to come forward now. Haley is uh, part of our youth ministry, and she uh, just need a mic for Haley. There it is, fantastic. Um, Haley's part of our youth ministry. Many of you won't know her. Haley, Haley's mum works on Sunday mornings until shortly, hopefully. Fingers crossed, and so not normally able to come to church, but you're part of our youth ministry. We love you. You're awesome. And uh, why don't you just look out at these guys? Everyone's smiling. <laughs> They're so excited you're here. But Haley, Haley has shared some incredible stories with me, and so I just wanted to to give you the opportunity to hear some of these things that's happening in her life. Haley, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. So remember last week what we talked about? Jesus pulls the child out of the crowd, crowd, and says, "If anyone is." You need to become like this person. So that's awesome that you're young. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm so young, can't do anything. You don't think that, do you? No way. Okay, so just tell us, uh, how, did you, how did you come to know Jesus? Well, I started going to church, but I didn't really go like every day. It was like, we don't go every day either, just once a week. But you mean, yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> And so it was like it was like Christmas and Easter, right? Yeah. And 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 then your mum, something happened to your mum? Yeah, my mum got baptized this well, last year. Yep. And and then what happened? She started She she started asking me questions about God and who is he? What does he do? Yep. Um and I answered them and then she came to me one day and said, "I'm going to get baptized." Awesome. So yeast, right? Little things, little questions, little conversations. Okay, uh, so then, then you started coming to youth. When your mum got baptised, you started coming to youth? Yeah. And you came to summer camp. And uh, how did you feel at summer camp? Did anything special happen? Um, at summer camp, I felt great. Um, I got the gift of speaking in tongues. Awesome. And um, I just felt really good and I felt that my chains were broken. And awesome. Yeah. So good. Okay. So <laughs> you guys are going to be blown away. Because uh, you, you, Hayley, you just present as like, and obviously it's a bit nerve-wracking to be up on stage, but you present as like quite softly spoken and shy. So, okay. So you come home from summer camp and you're like, I remember you saying to me, I just, I love what God's done in my life and I just want that to spread, right? Mm -hmm. And so you come home from summer camp and you're at school um, and your home group teacher explained something to you. Tell us what he um, explained. My home group teacher um, works at a gym as well. He, he, so he works at a gym, yeah. Yeah, and the funds weren't going that great. You said to me they were just going down month yep. on month. Yep. And then I asked him if it was okay if I prayed for him, and he said, okay. So awesome. I did. Did you pray for him then and there or in your own time? Um, in my own time. Like, I prayed for him when I got home and yep. then um, the funds went up. Awesome. 
I love that understated story. The funds, funds went up. So, so he, you came back to school and then he's been reporting to you ever since then. Oh, by the way, hey, the funds in the gym keep going up, right? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So then, then you had a relief teacher. Yes. And the relief teacher, it's like it's early in the school day mm-hmm. and the relief teacher limps into class, right? And it's just you and him in the, in the classroom so far. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? I asked him um, why he was limping and he said that he was in a car crash a couple of years ago yep. and the hospital couldn't do anything about his limping. So I prayed. So then him. you said, can I pray for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you prayed for him then and there? Yep. Yeah. What did you say? I just said, God, can you please help him? I know that it might not happen then and right there and then, but I know that you can do miracles, so can you do one? Awesome. And by that stage, some of the other students had started to arrive, right? Yes. What did you hear? Clapping. <laughs> So all the students are waiting at the door and then they start to clap. And what did you do? I just looked at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. So then uh, then so he, he kind of tested his leg out. Yeah. And it was okay, but not you know, he still had a bit of a limp. Yeah. And then what did you think at that stage? And then I was like well, I'll keep on praying. Awesome. And I did. And then the next morning? And then the next morning his wife said, um, where has your limp gone? And he came back to school and? Said, my limp is gone. I mean, how, how incredible is that? So, for two years, he's been limping because of a car accident. The hospital can't do anything to help him. I remember you saying to me that the way he explained it to his wife was, there's this girl at school and she prayed for me. She's amazing. And now I don't limp anymore. Isn't that mm-hmm. awesome? Okay, so then, uh, and then you had some difficulty with your friends. Yeah. Uh, and then you just decided, what are you going to do about that? Well, my friends aren't 100% that great. But <laughs> Such a great explanation. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Hopefully they're not listening to the podcast. <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember you coming to youth and yeah. we would say, how's your day? And you say, bad, because my friends are giving me a hard time. And then you went to summer camp and then uh, you came to youth and we said, how's your day? You said, really good. So <laughs> why? What happened? You said, my friends are I giving me a hard time. kind of got a bit angry at them. <laughs> I kind of growled at them, <laughs> let's say. Um, but I asked them to stop and they wouldn't stop. And then I asked them to stop. Then I told a teacher. Mm. And then we kind of sorted it out. But And you said to me that uh, you found hope because as you, were, as you were walking away, you would just start to pray about the situation and you'd feel, you'd feel better. Yeah. Awesome. We give Haley a hand. <laughs> so good. We can take that. We can take a seat. Incredible. I mean, so inspirational, right? Sometimes in the kingdom, the people you least expect are the most inspirational. And uh, Haley's mentioned to me that she gets together now often with her friends on the Oval and they'll talk about their needs and then they'll pray for one another. And that's, isn't that incredible? It's just incredible.
Um, <clears throat> you know, we're going to ask ourselves, how can I bring the kingdom into my everyday world? Because not all of us are called to be church staff or pastors, but we're all called to bring the kingdom to make disciples. Uh, and so we're going to ask ourselves, how, how can I do that? How am I going to do that this week? How am I going to bring the kingdom into the lives of people? In, that are around me. I would like to pray for some people, so I'm going to ask the band to come. If you just stand with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 6, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he's sending them out to go. He went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things the Messiah was doing. He, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Basically to say, are you the real king of this new kingdom? Or should we be looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Would you close your, close your eyes and just lift your hands with me here this morning? Father, we ask for your presence to come. We thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that as we're gathered in your name, you are right here in the middle of us. Thank you that your power is here. Thank you that your power, your kingdom, as it comes, it drives out darkness, it brings healing and restoration. So I want to pray for people who, uh, if you need some kind of healing in your life, I would love for you to just sit down in your seat where you are and what we're going to do is the people around you, we're going to lay hands on your shoulders and we're going to pray together for God's kingdom to come. And as His kingdom comes, then healing, unbelieving, is coming to your body. So if, you're, if you just have a look around, if there's somebody sitting down near you, would you just lay your hand on that person's shoulder and we're going to pray together. You can cross aisles, you can find somebody if you need to. Let's begin to pray. If you pray in tongues, if you speak in tongues, why don't you begin to do that? Thank you, Jesus. Holy God. Holy Spirit, we ask for your healing power to come here in this place right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that miracles are happening right now in people's bodies that people's bodies are being restored, that they are being healed, that your kingdom is coming, your will is being done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for restoration of bones, for restoration of muscles, for restoration of ligaments, of nerves, of tissues. Father, we thank you that your spirit is moving right now. Thank you for healing that's flowing in this place. Holy God, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's continue to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank Him for the healing that He's doing. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your healing power flowing through this person right now. We ask your healing power to finish its work here and now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Fantastic. So good.
Is there anybody who has something that they can test right now, something that you need healing in that you can just test out? What I would love you to do is just test that. You might be all the way there. You might be halfway there. I would just encourage you, find somebody like Haley and say, can you keep praying for me? Because I'm believing that healing is mine. <clears throat> I just want to pray for anybody. I have it on my heart to pray for people who, who find it difficult to sleep. If sleep is something that you struggle with, maybe that there's all kinds of different reasons you might struggle to sleep. But if you, if you struggle with sleep, if you can't get to sleep easily, if you, uh, if you have some kind of sleep apnea or whatever it happens to be, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Would you just come forward and stand on the altar? We'd love to pray for you. Fantastic. Proverbs 3.24 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Would you just reach your hands out to these people? When you can't sleep, man, that is hard. Your whole world is affected. Let's lift them up in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, there are all kinds of reasons, I'm sure represented here this morning for why people are struggling to sleep. Maybe there's physical issues with like throats and cavity, nasal cavities and stuff. Maybe there is things going on in the mind, anxieties that keep going around and around and around that stop people from being able to go to sleep. Maybe there are it's just a mystery. Maybe it's just a bodily thing where it's like, I just don't go to sleep. But Father, we're believing together that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so Father, I pray that sleep would come from tonight. That sleep would come from tonight. That supernatural sleep would come in Jesus' name. This is my most answered prayer. If I'm lying awake and I can't get to sleep, I pray and God brings sleep. And so Father, I thank You that Your healing power is coming right now in Jesus' Name, that any bodily issues are being restored, that any things in the mind which run over and over are being restored, that fear would be driven out and that peace would come, God, and that we would recognise that if we can't do it now, we'll do it tomorrow. That's fine. And we can go to sleep. Thank you, Lord. Pray for sleep in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. The last thing we're going to do is I, I just want to ask you, if you're here this morning and and you, you don't know Jesus, you don't have Him in your heart, you don't have Him in your life, I would love to pray a prayer with you to ask Him to come into your life. Because that is the best and biggest miracle that He has ever done. He died on the cross so that you and I can be in relationship with God, so that we can have all of our sins forgiven, so that we're not, it's not based on how good we are, but it's, a based, about, it's a based on how we trust in God, we trust in Jesus, what He did on the cross, and we get access 
to our Heavenly Father, to a relationship with Him. So if you don't have that access, if you've never asked Him to come into your life, to be your Lord and Saviour, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So I'm going to ask everyone to just close their eyes so we've got a moment of privacy. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you here this morning, you want to get, you want to ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, or maybe you've done it before and you want to do it again. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand high so I can see it. And we're going to pray together and ask Him to come into your heart. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to pray that prayer? To ask Jesus to come into your heart. Would you lift your hand up for me now, please, so I can see it. Fantastic. I'm just going to wait a few more seconds. Awesome. Why don't you lift your hands? We're just going to pray for any things that you need resolution in. Maybe you need some financial deliverance. Maybe you need some some peace in your mind. Whatever it happens to be, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit and your presence in this place. We pray, God, that as we open our hearts and our minds to you, as we learn about your kingdom, that it wouldn't just be an intellectual thing, Father, but your kingdom would come in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. So, Father, we ask your healing power to flow. We ask your provision to flow. We ask your peace to reign in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thanks, Brendan. Why don't we give Brendan a hand and thank him for our message this morning.